America's iconic sports car looks to add to its record this weekend at one of the classic tracks in North American sports car racing. Hi, I'm Dennis Krause, and this is Motorsports Minute Plus. Amid the spring break atmosphere that surrounds the annual race weekend at Sebring International Raceway in Florida, Corvette Racing is looking to score a pair of wins on home soil. The 1,000 miles of Sebring on Friday kicks off the FIA's seven-round World Endurance Championship season. Ben Keating, Nikki Katzberg, and Nico Veroni will team in the number 33 Mobile One Sirius XM Chevrolet Corvette C8R. It's the first race together for the trio and the first for Corvette racing in the GTE-M category. The following day, defending GTD Pro co-winner Antonio Garcia will be joined by Jordan Taylor and Tommy Milner in the number 3 Mobile One Sirius XM Chevrolet Corvette C8R for the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, the second round of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Part of the winning crew in last year's 12 Hours of Sebring, Katzberg is hoping for the same result in Friday's World Endurance Championship race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, last year was was super nice winning the race. And I I also remember the year before, we were incredibly close in in winning it that year as well. But um, a kind of late race crash with, uh, with another competitor took us out of the lead. So yeah, I'm, I cannot wait to, to drive the GTE spec car again. I, um, I personally like it a little bit better than the GT3 spec. And uh, yeah, I cannot wait to try and win it uh, now without the ABS. And in general, um, yeah, I, I, I just enjoyed driving the GTE car a lot. So hopefully we can repeat that win from, uh, from last year. One of the top bronze-rated drivers is Texas car dealer Ben Keating. No stranger to success in long-distance events in both prototypes and GT cars, Keating's level of anticipation is sky-high as he makes his Corvette racing debut at Sebring. It's greater, uh, I mean, uh, it's it's greater than it's ever been for several reasons. One is that uh, obviously it's my first race with uh, Corvette Racing, and uh, that is enough anticipation uh, on its own. But then, addition to in addition to that, it's the only WEC race that is on home soil uh, in the U.S., which is uh, puts a little bit more importance up there uh, for me. And then, lastly, I would say that you know, last year of doing the double between the Aston Martin and the, uh, uh, the LMP2 in the twelve-hour race. Uh, it was one of the, if not the uh, most difficult physical uh, uh, endeavor I had ever done. Uh, and so I have a little bit, uh, I'm hoping I prepare a little bit better for it this year, but it, I still have a little bit of that anticipation uh, for how I will feel in the 12 hour. I'm not worried that much about uh, uh, the WEC race, but, uh, you know, uh, you know it uh, there's a lot of different reasons for all the anticipation building up. Also new to Corvette Racing's WEC effort is Nico Veroni, a winner in LMP3 recently at the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Well, uh, first of all, for me, uh, will be uh, I think one of my best experiences ever, and uh, to be joining uh, Corvette Racing is is a dream for me, and uh, to be uh, in a factory team, being part 
uh, with Ben and Nikki. I think it's it's going to be amazing. Um, I'm really I'm really uh, excited about it because uh, I, I did some some laps in Bahrain as as you said and, and in Sibrin, and I was really uh, comfortable with the car. I really I personally enjoyed driving the GT, but um, with the Corvette, I feel like something special in the first moment. Like it suits really well my driving style. Is what I what I think. So I think we have a a really good lineup. Uh, we have a really good car. So I I hope we can we can you know uh, have a clean race, clean weekend, and and take the most out of it. While Keating has extensive experience in a variety of cars, he admits it took him a little while to come to grips with the new mid-engine Corvette C eight R and testing. I got to do a few laps uh, on the uh, the rookie test day after Bahrain. Uh, I got to do 10 laps exactly. We were more focused on testing silvers and watching Nico go fast around uh, Bahrain. But uh, uh, when I first got in the car at, uh, at Bahrain, you know, I know looking at it, it's a mid-engine car. Uh, and so I, I kept trying to place, you know, how am I supposed to drive this car? You know, am I supposed to drive it like a Ford or like a uh, uh, the, the Porsche or like the Ferrari uh, uh, being other mid-engine cars. And uh, I'll say I was quite disappointed with my performance uh, in Bahrain. Uh, uh, and I came back and looked at the data and realized, oh my gosh, you drive this car completely separately, completely differently than any of those. And so while I was trying to lean on my experience of how to go fast in all those other cars, uh, uh, I, I wasn't able to find it. So then we go, you know, fast forward uh, another couple of months and we went testing at Sebring uh, and uh, it was incredible. You know, the, uh, uh, the speed uh, uh, came pretty quick for me, I would say, you know, I felt very comfortable in the car uh, and, uh, you know, I feel like I made some huge steps in learning how, uh, this car likes to be driven, uh, and it's significantly different than, uh, than all the others. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, for me personally, uh, it, it's taken a, a little bit to get used to, you know, uh, I've, I've been, uh, you know, uh, it's just, it's so different than all the other cars. I've been in a, a turbo car for the last couple of years. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, this just, you know, uh, the big V8 has a little bit, has a lot more torque uh, instantly uh, at low RPMs than having to wait for that big uh, turbo to wind up. And so you don't have that lag, which takes a little while to get used to. And, the year before that, I was in the Porsche RSR, uh, and you know, again, it just doesn't have the same level of torque uh, uh, that a big V8 has. Uh, and uh, I mean, they're all, you know, they all have slightly different handling characteristics. Uh, and uh, I'm after Bahrain, I was worried. After Sebring, I'm excited. Uh, uh, because I, I made the transition and I was really happy with uh, my performance after the test. You know, I've been testing in the LMP2 there as well. So, uh, uh, and I feel like there's a decent 
uh, crossover uh, between, you know, between the two cars uh, at this particular track. So I'm ready. Veroni had a similar experience adapting to the Corvette, having previously raced a Ferrari in the GTE class. Yes. Uh, well, so actually I was, I was really impressed in the, in the Veroni test because I was trying to, let's say, as, as Ben said, you know, like trying to, all my experience with the Ferrari GT to put it on the Corvette and it was not working like the first, the first outing I did. And I was really struggling like on, on low speed corners, you know, with, with some overseer. And it was like, you know, I, 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 I was driving the GT all year and I was really struggling. And then uh, I was working with the engineers uh, on the data and, and they told me that it's a really complete different uh, way of driving. Um, and well, I started working on it through, through the labs and, and through the runs and I really improved on it. And it's, I have to say, it's a different concept to, to drive it. Um, and you have to, to get used to it. Also in the Sebring test, when I, when I arrived, I already had this, this experience, let's say from Bahrain and I, and I get really used to it because like it didn't like, it wasn't like a big challenge for me because it's, it was like, I get used to it really quickly. And I think because of, of my driving style, as I said, like I, I, I like the way of driving it, but it's really different to other cars I've driven like in the past. Having driven GTE M cars before, as well as the GT3 spec that will replace it in the WEC next season, Keating says there are aspects of GTE M that he really appreciates. I'll, t- I'll say specifically for GTE M. Uh, uh, because that's what's important to me. And that's where I feel like uh, 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 that's what makes this car special or this class special, I would say, you know, uh, and as all of you uh, are aware in every GTM class, it requires one bronze, one silver and one either gold or platinum. And, uh, you know, uh, what I love about the GTM class racing the GTE car uh, is that it doesn't have ABS, kind of as Nikki started off uh, talking about. Uh, and that makes uh, the it really separates the bronze drivers uh, between those who can drive well with ABS, without ABS, and those who can't uh, or struggle with it. And, and so, the difference in lap time uh, uh, gets to be larger based on the skill that you acquire over time. Uh, uh, and I, you know, so that's one big piece of it for me specifically in GT Am. I don't think you see those uh, that big of a difference in GT Pro. Uh, but the thing that I've loved about it for years is that, you know, uh, what really kind of got to me racing in GT3 is that there were all these uh, BOP changes all the time. Uh, you never knew if you were going to have a, a, a chance or, or not uh, to do well in a race. Uh, and I didn't like spending, you know, uh, dollars and, and blood, sweat and tears uh, at, at a track, not knowing if we were going to have a chance. And so what I really loved about the GTM setup was that, or has been that, all the BOP is set off the pro class from the previous year. We're racing the previous year's car. And so we rarely get BOP changes in GTM. Uh, and they allow the rewards weight or success ballast, whatever you want to call it, uh, to kind of level the playing field. 
which I feel like, I mean, clearly, you know, you get 40 kilos in the car, it's going to cost you a half a second uh, per lap at most of the tracks we go to. But uh, you still have, you know, you can still have a chance. You can still have a competitive car. Uh, and then lastly, I'd say I, I love uh, racing with a confidential tire. Uh, the Michelin confidentials are just that good. Uh, it's so nice to race with a tire that's been built and designed around your car, uh, it, around different circumstances. And, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be sad to see it go is my, is my answer. You know, uh, I'm sad to see GTE go, you know, for me personally, uh, it, you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with the GT3 cars. It just has to do with uh, the class. Uh, uh, you know, I think you're taking something away when you add ABS and every driver out there uh, uh, can be a hero in, the, in every break zone. Sebring International Raceway has been in operation since 1950 and sits on the site of Hendricks Army Airfield, a former training base for B-17 pilots during World War II. It still uses some of the airfield's original runways and service roads. Needless to say, with pavement that old, it can make for a rough and bumpy track surface. Adding to the challenge of Sebring is what happens after the sun goes down and finishing races in the dark. Katzberg thinks it's the most difficult part of the race to do. Um, yeah, some, some places are more difficult than others. And I would say Sebring is one of the more difficult ones. And then specifically, I think it's turn, kind of turn 10 through 14 where it gets really really dark and there's one part where you actually really struggle to see how close to the outside of the track you are so you know racing there and then also navigating with traffic makes it very very difficult because you just don't see so much of course we have some great lights on the car but yeah it's not nearly enough to 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 really see what's going on and then you have a lot of bright headlights in your rearview mirrors constantly flashing which which makes it very very hard to kind of see where you're going but i must say kind of doing it more often does help you to to get better at it and to to remain more calm but uh yeah for example in the sebring 12 hours you would kind of keep one driver for the end of the race and that driver would then also do more in the night practice just so that he's more prepared for finishing the race in the dark and I would say it's definitely the more difficult part of the race to, to do. And um, yeah, if I compare it, Nordschleife, for example, is very dark. And, and, and it's the same. The same goes for Le Mans. I always find relatively easy in the dark. Spa-Francorchamps, more difficult again. I don't know really what this is, but some tracks are just more difficult in the dark than others. And then Sebring has, has a lot of bumps everywhere. And, and already in the daylight, it's difficult to really see sometimes where you are, let alone in the dark. So Sebring is definitely difficult. Keating says it isn't just the darkness that makes night racing at Sebring a challenge. So I'll say that there are three major things that really, you know, uh, make Sebring difficult at night. Uh, one is it's so flat, it's really hard to get a reference of what you're looking at. Uh, it's so flat that... I think that's one of the things that makes it difficult. Yes, it's dark, 
but it's no more dark than any of the other tracks that Nikki mentioned. It's just really flat, which makes it hard to get a reference of knowing exactly where to turn in, exactly where the break point is, exactly where you know the exit of the corner is, and those kind of things. But the uh, the two things that come to mind are that we are going to have the largest hypercar field uh, uh, that we've ever seen uh, in the World Endurance Championship. And, uh, you know, my only protest in the hypercar class is that the LED lights that they have when they flash are unbelievably bright. They are ridiculously bright and they will blind you. Uh, and so it's not as bad when you had, you know, three or four cars there to contend with. But, you know, uh, knowing that we're going to have, you know, uh, you know, eight or 10 of those going around the track, it's going to mean that you're going to be, you're going to have one of those behind you more often. Uh, and that is going to make it quite a challenge. Uh, uh, the other thing that I think, you know, is not thought of very often is that there are quite a few pavement changes at Sebring. It goes from concrete to asphalt to, uh, you know, uh, uh, sealed concrete, different uh, pieces of it. And when the sun goes down, you know, it's, it's one thing when that bright Florida sun is, is shining down on all the track, it can get really hot. And, uh, but when the sun goes down, uh, each one of those pavement surfaces changes quite a bit. And I think it changes the handling of the car quite a bit. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, it, you know, the only thing that matters, uh, obviously, is uh, the end of the race. And so, uh, you know, this is more of an issue on the IMSA side of things uh, uh, because of the full course uh, safety cars and, and more, more time in, in darkness. But, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, I think it's wise to do a lot of setup work and a lot of running and night practice uh, specifically because you got to make sure you got a car that's set up to do well when the sun goes down because the track changes uh, a lot more than you might think. Previously a third driver for Corvette Racing, Katzberg now finds himself in the role of team leader. While it'll be a change for Katzberg, it's one he feels ready to take on. Yeah, it's definitely going to be different because I was always... Um the third driver, as, as you would say, at, at Corvette. So I was filling in for um, for the few races, the endurance races. So Daytona, Sebring, Petit Le Mans, Le Mans. And now it's kind of really the first time that uh, I'm doing a full season and um, two new teammates. And I feel like I'm now the one with the most experience in the car, which is, which is a first for me. So it's definitely going to be a change, but uh, I feel with this team and um, also the support I had from my teammates in the past years. I hope I can do uh, the same job now for, for Ben and Nico. Uh, but to be honest, I mean, Ben is incredibly experienced in, in these races. And then Nico, I, I don't want to raise the expectations too much, but he was nothing short but amazing in the tests that we did. So I don't feel like they're going to need too much help from me. But um, yeah, it is a bit of a change for me, but I think... Um, We'll be fine. On Saturday, defending 12 hours of Sebring co-winner and GTD Pro, Antonio Garcia looks to continue Corvette Racing's great history at the legendary track. Yeah, I mean, obviously, 
coming from a good race at Daytona, I think we should be up there. Uh, Corvette always had quite a bit of success in that race, so looking forward for that. We haven't been on that last test, but we've been there in December. Although it was with the new GT3 car, we still get some information and for sure it's a new year uh, we we had a lot of data to to analyze from from last year so last year was kind of a surprise for us to to be that good especially during the day so yeah looking forward to get back there uh, i love that race uh, corvette fans will be up there too so yeah it's it's always a a great event for us as corvette drivers so yeah, another one for me. Sebring's rough track surface has infuriated any number of drivers throughout the years. While Garcia feels he knows every bump around the track now, what was he told about before his first race at Sebring? I think it's 2007 or six. I can't remember when it was. So I was definitely younger. And I think, yeah, I think it's the bumps, mainly the trickier part of that racetrack so everybody tries to explain you where to go and what to hit or not to hit but it's almost impossible to figure out what to expect until you do a few laps so it is a tricky track to learn but for sure after a few laps uh, it doesn't feel like you can go around that fast but then you get on the roof you get in the kind of on the groove and everything is comes easier so now that I've done it so many years, for me, it feels like I know every single bump around that racetrack, so much easier now. And the track's, shall we say, character makes Garcia appreciate it all the more. I think you do. I mean, it's just the whole environment there, as Andy said, and going starting from early in the morning, almost with the sunrise after warm-up, and then most of the races are super hot in the middle of the day and then you go straight into the night with a classic March sunset where you don't see a thing between going into 17 and going into turn 7. So it's all, every single aspect of that race is unique. So even if at times it feels like undrivable, uh, if it's, it's a, one of my favorites if not my favorite race of the year. And Garcia's favorite and least favorite aspect to racing at Sebring? At sunset, uh, definitely going to 17 and 7, you are hoping to get any clouds. So it's a full bright sky. Is going, You know it's going to be really, really tough. So, And that also goes into the point that at times I got into the car with three hours and something to go. So that means that you get the sunset and then you go full into the dark. So you need also to pick your own, the right visor. Everything needs to be perfect. So I had every single condition there and I, and I had, I mean, every single moment of different weather. But yeah, for sure, the sunset, if it's full bright, uh, is tricky, but... Yeah, that that's something you don't want to be fighting too much with somebody or traffic gets very, very tricky in, the, in those conditions because nobody might know, 
somebody might not see you or is is something it's only 20 30 20 25 minutes but it's it's very very tricky i mean i lo- i love the racetrack the whole lap at night so when it's full dark uh and you know it's coming to the end of the race the grip is going it's usually back there that's the more joyful time of the of the race i mean no matter how tired you are if you are up in contention for the race especially that's the that's when the whole magic of Sebring comes so that's that's what we all remember those last things at Sebring and especially if you are up in contention or even winning the race. While he's had success in both races, the 12 hours of Sebring is only half as long as the Rolex 24 at Daytona, but that doesn't make it any easier, according to Garcia. I think probably Sebring is a bit tougher to hit everything in the right spot. So everything is different. You you finish in the dark, which is tough for everybody. Traffic is really bad at that point. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, for me, I think for me, it seems like I was I had more success in at Sebring, but I think I would consider Sebring to be a little bit tougher than than Daytona. I mean, you have the pace at at Daytona. I think it's easier to pace yourself to be in contention at the end of the race, while at Sebring, it's not only pace. You you have to deal with a lot of uh, I think the weather changes more. You're finishing in the dark, which is you only run that for two hours of the race. So it's it's a bit trickier, I think. Corvette Racing has won 13 times at Sebring, more than any other venue in program history. Both are American sports car racing icons. As always, thank you for your time. I'm Dennis Krause, and this is Motorsports Minute Plus.